But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Lord, we thank you for uh, gathering us. And we want to ask that you would make this a spirit-filled moment. That you'll move supernaturally through this teaching. Penetrate our minds and our hearts in transformative ways. Would you? In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody shout amen. amen. Please be seated. So, part of what we're looking at is uh, the teaching of Paul as he writes this letter to the church in Galatia. He essentially makes the point uh, that the kind of change that needs to happen in our lives cannot be imposed externally through trying to meticulously keep the Jewish law, but comes from within as God's Holy Spirit actually lives within us. Uh, pastor Tim Keller, who is the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, says that when we look at this text, uh, we're really looking at uh, Christian change. And there are several elements of Christian change that uh, he points out I want to lift today. Uh, the first is that Christian change <clears throat> is internal. Everybody shout internal. It's an inside job. It is not imposed from the outside. It happens from God's spirit working within our lives. Secondly, it's gradual. Shout gradual. Meaning it does not happen overnight. It does not happen within a month but over years and different seasons. The uh, third one is that it's inevitable. Shout inevitable. That uh, if in fact uh, you uh, present the right conditions, if you allow God to have his way in your life, at the end of the day, change will happen. That you will look back two years from now, three years, or whatever the case might be, and you'll be able to see how you are a different person than you were several years ago, and you're more like who Christ has called you to be. Now, here's a picture that I think that really illustrates this notion of how the Spirit works in our lives. This is a real picture uh, that somebody was walking out, and they saw, and they, and they took. This is a rock. Can you say rock? And the tree, the seed, started under the rock and somehow started to make its way up through the rock and ultimately grew all the way out on the other end and as it expanded, it literally cracked the rock. Now, when you look at this picture, you're really looking at what the Holy Spirit would like to do in all of our lives. At the end of the day, in some way, our lives are kind of like rocks, right? That have been kind of cemented over by various philosophies, by this notion that we have to be in charge and in control and all of this stuff, right? All of our pains and our hurts and all of that. And yet, if God can take a tree, come on now, from a seed and drive it up to a rock and split the rock, how much more can he do with his Holy Spirit in your life? He wants to move forward in your life. So look at this. You'll see it. The change is internal. It's within. It's not imposed from without. 
It's gradual. It took a number of years for this to take place. It was inevitable. There was no stopping this tree from coming out, ultimately. And uh, Kelly says it's symmetric in that any aspect of the fruit that we see in Galatians has other aspects. All of the fruit is there represented in that. Change is inevitable. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. So, let me say one word, and then I want to talk about peace today. But I want to say one word. How many of you signed up for the Peel Challenge over the last couple of weeks? Let me see it. Wonderful. Great number of you. If you have not signed up for the Peel Challenge, today you have an opportunity to sign up for the Peel Challenge. Uh, just go under the response to the message. You can say, I, I want to... I want to participate in the Pills Challenge. And here's what it is. If you sign up, I send you an email. You get an email from me every day during the course of this series. And, uh, and in the email, you're going to get a scripture, short scripture for you to read and reflect on. And then you're going to get a suggested exercise. Everybody shout exercise. Exercise for you to do. Now, I'm pointing this out because when we go back to, Gal- when we go back to Galatians uh, 4, it starts off by simply saying, but the fruit of the Spirit is, now notice everybody shout fruit. See, it's singular, right? Right? Doesn't say fruits. Fruit of the Spirit is, I told you last week, that really you could say the fruit of the Spirit is love, colon, and joy, peace, forbearance, the rest of these are aspects of that fruit. And ultimately, the fruit represents the character of God. But it also suggests that the Spirit, come on now, is at work within our lives, trying to get our attention, nudging us to do various things. And so the way this exercise is set up is because we're so busy in Silicon Valley, we just miss the nudging of God's Spirit. So we've sent out a scripture, and we'll give you an exercise. And if you do the exercise, the idea is that you, the idea is that you will simply try to become in, uh, sensitive to how the Holy Spirit works. Let me give you some examples. On day four, during the week of, that we talked about love, the scripture was, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, Jesus says. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Here was the exercise we suggested. Schedule a meal or coffee with someone, since it's about love. And ask them what dreams they have, listen, and then really listen. Tell the person next to you, really listen. All right, now, the most loving thing you can do is ask somebody, tell me about your dream, right? And they start telling you about the dream. The most unloving thing you can do, the reason why we put that really listen, because here's what most of us do. Coffee time, tell us about your dream. Well, I'm, oh, that reminds me of my dream. And for the next 30 minutes, <laughs> say, really, listen. All right, here's my point. We put this here. The suggestion is that I suspect God has already, the Holy Spirit in your life has probably prompted you over the last several months or the last year to do something like this. But you're so busy in the Silicon Valley culture that you totally bypass it. Let me give you another example. Day 12, out of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, joy, last week, uh, here's what the passage says. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord. That's Philemon. Here's the exercise. 
call or visit a friend who has been there for you and share with them how they have helped you. you see? Now, my suspicion is God's spirit has nudged you to do that. But you've just been so busy, you've missed it. And the last example is this. Peace. Let, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Get this. I particularly like this. This is coming up this week. You're going to get this verse. And here is the exercise. Shout exercise. Here's the exercise that we have for you to do. Uh, on that day, we say spend at least 10 minutes today praying for our nation and our leaders. Go figure. All right. Let me put this. Let me, let me put it where you can get it. So this week, check it out. At some point during the week, you're going to be watching TV, and you're going to be watching the news. You're going to be watching Fox or CNN or MSNBC, something. And something's going to pop up on the news, and it's going to make you upset, all right? Rather than just turning the TV off, cussing somebody out, throwing a shoe at the TV, going ranting and raving at the other people that's in the house. Come on now. Let me, this is what we're going to suggest. Everybody shout, stop and pray. Pray for the folk on the TV. Whoever you're mad at, pray for them. Whatever the need is, pray for Go figure. That's what Jesus follows on to do. Right? Now, my suspicion is the Holy Spirit has nudged you from time to time to do this. But in a hustle and bustle. I'll give you a perfect example. Then I'll get to peace because we both be talking about peace. Everybody shout, peace is coming. <laughs> One more example. The other day I was in a, in a restaurant and the waiter came, the waitress. And as she finished service, I said, excuse me, what's your name? And so she told me her name. I said, well, wait a minute, where are you from? So she told me a little bit. And we got folk at the table. So tell me a little bit where we're from. Now, I got a little bit of a start. It didn't take me but three or four minutes. And then she left. And for the rest of the evening, she was super nice to our table. Now, I didn't do it so she could be super nice. I did it because I had a nudging. Had that conversation with that young lady. Now, here's what I suspect happened as illustrated in her being super nice. Probably all day she'd been serving people. Half of the folk wouldn't even look at her. Nobody asked her her name. Nobody asked her her story. But because God nudged one person to have a little conversation to show that she is visible, she went home that night feeling, thinking about her entire day. The one thing she remembered most of all was that conversation and a reminder that, you know what? God loves her. He sees her. See, you have these kinds of unctions all the time. If Jesus is Lord of your life, then the Holy Spirit lives in your life. And if the Holy Spirit lives in your life, the Holy Spirit is not just sleeping. Tell the person next to you, the Holy Spirit is awake. Tell them, tell them, tell them. <laughs> so he's nudging you. He's, he's guiding. He's, 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 he's working in you. You just got to be sensitive. So... Sign up for the pill challenge and get inside of that. Now, let's talk very quickly about peace. Shout peace. All right. Uh, uh, I want to kind of walk through what I call building blocks for peace that 
that really works in Silicon Valley, a, a lasting peace. The first thing I want to do is give you a definition. I, I've kind of uh, pulled this definition out of, if you look at the biblical examples of peace, what the word actually means. Here's my definition that I've formed out of it. Confidence, security, and rest in God's love, wisdom, and salvation more than my own. Everybody shout, more than my own. Now, what this definition suggests is that I begin to open myself up for God's peace to be released in my life once I make the decision that I'm going to have confidence and I'm going to be secure and I'm going to rest in the fact that no matter what's going on, even though I don't understand maybe what's happening in this particular season, one thing I know, I know God loves me. That I'm going to rest in the fact that, that while I can't explain the zigzags of life and this trouble here and this problem here, I'm going to rest in the fact that, that, that God has the first and the last word and that his wisdom is at work and it's bigger than mine. I'm going to, I got a friend of mine, Tony, Dr. Tony Williams, he says two things he knows. One, he knows that God exists. And two, he knows that he's not God. Two, all right? <laughs> Ask the person next to you, do you know you're not God? <laughs> Good insight. So, so that God's wisdom is at work, always at work, and that I can rest in God's salvation. I can rest in it. I trust God more than myself. Shout security. I want to paint a picture of what this looks like. My daughter's here uh, this afternoon. She doesn't know I'm going to tell the story, so she's going to be delighted. <laughs> From time to time, I pop in on Lauren and I ask her, I say, baby girl, if you had your pick of all the daddies in the world, and you could line them all up and then put me there, would you still pick me? And depending on what mood she's in, <laughs> she will either hesitate or she'll just quickly. But her answer is always the same. Yes, Dad. So on occasion, I pushed her. I said, I just want to test this. I said, wait a moment. If you could choose between Steph Curry and me, he looks like he's pretty good with kids. Would you still pick me? I still pick you. I said, well, wait a minute. What about Mr. Obama? If, if you could choose between Obama being your father and me being your dad, would you still pick me? He looks pretty good with kids. Dad, I still pick you. Okay, wait, 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 wait. What about the rock? <laughs> if you could pick the rock, brothers, come on, I, I, let's just open it up, just open it up. What about Mr. Uh, 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 President uh, 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 George W. Bush? He looks pretty good with kids. Uh, are your favorite? What about Thor? <laughs> Inevitably, her answer remains the same. I would pick you. Yeah, celebrate that. Oh, baby. Now, if you're wondering, 
what would make a father ask his daughter a question like that in the first place? <laughs> Tell somebody, yes, I was wondering that. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> it, it it's remarkable how, how our past kind of creep up on us, even in positive ways, because I'm having fun with her. I wouldn't really know what her answer would be. But the reason why it's so meaningful for me is I remember being a kid, scarred kid, on the playground. And they were picking teams, baseball, softball, basketball. And I would always be the last left and would only be picked if there was no other choice. So with that as the framing, can you imagine how incredible it is for me to hear my daughter say, you can line up Mr. Obama and Bush and The Rock and Thor and all of that, and Dad, knowing everything that I know about, even the, even the times that you get on my nerves, Dad, knowing all of that, I would still pick you. You see how powerful that is? Now, you see, the fact is, I'm securing that. I can rest in that. that. No matter what happens, however she goes, whatever the case is, I know that at the end of the day, I, I can rest. I'm secure in the fact that my daughter would pick me. Now, let's flip it. This is what Jesus is saying about you. This is what he wants somebody in here to hear. He wants somebody in here to hear that you think you've been disqualified from his love, but he wants you to know. He says from the beginning of, of eternity, right, from before he laid the foundations of the world, according to Ephesians 1, he says, I have a place that's in my heart, and it is only in the shape of you. And, 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 and if I have to pick somebody to fill that place, I am only picking you. As a matter of fact, I pick you. All right, now let me, let me, let's push it a little further. What if Jesus asked you the question? If you could pick between being the most powerful person on the planet or following Jesus, which would you pick? If you could pick between being the most beautiful person on the planet or following Jesus, which would you pick? If you could pick between being the most popular person on the planet or having the greatest wealth on the planet and following Jesus, who would you, what would you pick? Now, life is not as binary as those choices. You can be, you can follow Jesus and have a lot of those things. But at the end of the day, you understand the point of the question, right? Is there anything in life that you would pick over Jesus? I want you to go home and think about that question. Because that's where you got to keep working on your relationship. Because that one day, the real way you know where you really trust him at the level that he can really give you the peace in the midst of swaying times is that you have a kind of relationship, a commitment to him that says, it's me and you. And you know what? No matter what happens, I trust you. Everybody shout trust. And I'm secure in your love for me. I know you, you have picked me. I'm secure in your wisdom for my life. I'm secure 
in your salvation. Now let's run through some quick scriptures just to point this out. Uh, uh, second, building block, I gave you the definition. Now let me give you some. Uh, everybody shout, peace with God. Say peace with God. All right, here's how the scripture talks about it, right? Romans chapter 5, verse 1. This is what Paul writes. He writes this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have what? Peace with God because of what I did. Is that what it says? No, because of what mama did. Is that what it says? Because of how much money I have. Is that what it says? Because of how great I've lived. Is that what it says? No, because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. That at the end of the day, my salvation rests solely on my relationship with one who has died and gotten up from the dead for he picked me. Verse 11, look at verse 11. Look what verse 11 says. So now we can rejoice. Shout rejoice. No, no, no. Say it like rejoice. Shout rejoice. Rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because, watch this, our Lord, shout Lord, stop. He did not say we can rejoice in this new relationship with God because Jesus. Here's a secret. We can rejoice in this new relationship with God because our what? Lord. In other words, if I know that Jesus is Lord of my life, that means he's got the first word and the last word because I've given him that authority. Then I am less worried about who's in the president, uh, who's in the White House. I'm less worried about, you know, it's been four months and I can't yet find a job. I, 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 I find confidence in the fact that he's Lord. He's got the first word, the last word. He loves me. His wisdom guides me. He's working on my behalf. Why? Because he's Lord. Now, let me just make this quick point. You can't make him Lord until you get to something you don't want him to be Lord about. Come on, it's really kind of all or nothing. It's really your Lord. And sometimes I'm going to like it and sometimes I'm not. But my peace in Silicon Valley will come from the fact that my salvation Rest on you being Lord. So it's 11. That's the, that's, that's the safety that comes from my salvation. I mean, somebody may be listening now. You may just want to take out the car and say, look, I, don't, I need that. I can't even start talking about peace that's going to change my life in Silicon Valley until I just check on the first here, uh, this, this first brain that says, you know, I'm going to commit my life to following Jesus. I want him Lord. Peace begins there. It's a fundamental building block. No matter who you are, he says, I pick you. All right, secondly, it's not just about dying and eternity. It's about how we live, right? Romans 8.1 says this. Anyone, uh, so now there is no condemnation. Shout no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. All right, so what does this mean? This means I can have peace. Watch this, right? Uh, because I can actually learn to live a life while there are many regrets, I can live a life free of guilt and shame. All right, let me explain it. I told you all at Easter, if you were around and you heard the Easter message, you know I told the story that uh, I went to the Republic of China, Taiwan, 
as a young adult, was there for two weeks, never called home once. When I got back, shattered my, the hearts of my grand aunt and uncle. And for years, while I was secure in the fact that, you know, Jesus saved me, I rescued me, I was safe in him, uh, I was still, when I thought about that incident, I was full of guilt and shame. So I wouldn't mention it. Until at some point, I stumbled across two insights. And I had been preaching for several years. And this shows how, this is why you just got to keep coming. You just got to keep coming. You keep working at it. First insight was, Jesus died on Calvary's cross for my sins. For my sins. And so what I need to do is simply believe it and accept it. And the moment I believe it and accept it, since he was crucified for my sins, I can stop crucifying myself. Come on, tell the person next to you, no need to crucify yourself. Come on, tell them. Come on. And the second thing is that the insight that really just set me free of guilt and shame was that part of the reason why God builds grace into our lives and doesn't just kill us is because God realizes that we are all works in process, right? And grace allows us space to grow and to learn. Look, if I had a chance to do it all over again, knowing what I know now, I'd make a different choice. I'm a work in process. So, Pastor Herman, do you regret it? Absolutely. Do you feel guilty about it? Are you shame of it? Absolutely not. Because he's covered in his blood. I'm a work in process. I got the regret, but the guilt and the shame, I left it on his cross. Come on, give God a hand praise. That's good news for somebody here. Now, some of you just got to keep working at it. You got to keep, you got to, you convince yourself, you know. Some of us listen to ourselves, right? Your brain is talking, you talking to yourself, you just have bad conversations with yourself. You just sitting there listening. Oh, I'm so bad. You know, why didn't you think about yourself? And then you just say, listen, stop listening to yourself. Start talking to yourself. Start reminding yourself what the scripture says. Start reminding yourself that Jesus says he picked you. Start reminding yourself that when he died on Calvary cross, he, he provided for all of that. Remind yourself you are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are set free. Start talking back to yourself. Stop that listening. All right. Regret without shame. This is a fundamental building block of having peace. Peace, I tell you. Peace that sustains you right here in the hustle and bustle of Silicon Valley. All right, final. Another building block here, peace. We talked about peace with God. Shout peace with God. Now let's talk about the peace of God. Shout peace of God. Peace of God. Now, let me just point out a couple of things. Last week, Pastor Tilden talked about joy. This week, I'm talking about peace. Let me just point out that in the New Testament, oftentimes, joy and peace is talked about together because what sustains one sustains the other. 
Let me give you some, some, some examples. For example, uh, in, in Romans chapter 15, I think it's verse 13, you find this. Paul writes this. I pray that God, the source of hope, now understand this, say, you just put the word ultimate, the source of ultimate hope will fill you completely, here it is, what does it say? With joy and because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confidence, confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see my definition right in that point, joy and peace. If you back up through Romans and read chapter 5, uh, verse 1, you already, uh, we talked about it earlier. He says, now we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ did. You jump down to verse 3 in the same chapter. It says, so now we can rejoice in tribulation. In other words, we can have joy in tribulation because, and it talks about what we get through the power of the Holy Spirit. Shout peace and joy. If you go to the Gospels in John, for example, John makes a wonderful point of this in uh, John chapter 14, verse uh, uh, 27. Uh, Jesus, just hours before he's arrested, and everybody's crippled with fear and, and have a sense of crisis and anxiety. And here's what Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor be afraid. Then go over to one more chapter, to chapter 15 uh, and verse 11, and then you'll hear Jesus say this, I, I, I give you my joy. See this notion of joy and peace together. Now, Philippians uh, is, is where we're going. But before we do that, I want to show you a picture, Jeremiah 17, just because I, I, I just want to do it. It's, it's, it's my favorite picture of how one can have joy and peace through every season. Jeremiah chapter 17, listen, listen to what Jeremiah writes. But blessed are those who trust, shout trust, in the, and have made the Lord their ultimate hope and confidence. How do you understand that? All right, next verse. Watch this. He's going to give you a word picture. For they are like trees. He's talking about y'all. Right? He says, if you put your trust in God as your ultimate hope, he says, for you are like a, like a tree planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Come on, these willows. Such trees are not bothered by the heat are worried, shout worried, by long months of drought. Wait a moment, long months of drought? Yes, I'm going through a long, I'm going through a, a drought of sickness. But, but because I know that he loves me, because I know that his wisdom wins the day, because I know that I'm securing his salvation, uh, even though I'm going through a drought of sickness, I still have some joy and some peace. Y'all ain't lived up. Going through a, a breakup with your, with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, but because you know that he loves you, come on now, and he's got your future, and you're secure, come on now, you can still have, with tears coming down your eyes, joy and peace. Come on now, run out of money, don't know where your next bill coming from, but because I trust his love, because I trust he has me in his salvation, because I trust he's ahead of me, even going to a homeless shelter, I can still have some joy and peace. I met two people today that, 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 that say, Pastor, we're proof. One woman said she's unemployed for four months. She said, but every day she had to remind herself. Say this with me. Return to my peace. 
See, this is what you got to remember. You got to remember. See, it's, it's not that there's something that I, I'm giving you the fundamental building blocks, but the, the world has a way of shaking you. Right? And shaking you. So you got to figure out how to return to your peace. That's why you keep coming to church. You're returning to your peace. You're being reminded about who you are in God. You're, you're prayer, returning to your peace. Studying the scriptures, returning to your peace. Worship songs, returning to your peace. The lady said to me, for four months I was unemployed. She said, but daily I kept going to the scripture, reminding myself, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And she said, just daily I just kept feeding myself. And she said, and in due season, good God Almighty, she said, the door opened. It was exactly the job that I wanted, but he taught me how to trust him at another level. Come on now. I got another fellow, Johnny uh, Cooks is here somewhere. And he told me, just as I got ready to come in, he said, look, pastor, he said, I was homeless for months. He said, but check it out. He said, but pastor, I came to church every Sunday. Pastor, I, I, I kept believing and praying. I went to my small group. He has a small group. He went to a small group every week. And, 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 and God's joy and peace, come on now, even in the horrendous crisis of his life, carried him through. Now he's, he's got a place to live and he's all right. Yes, God is trustworthy, y'all. See, don't get out there on your own. Don't get out there on your own. Don't buy the logic. You got to figure it out all by yourself. There is a wisdom greater than yours. There's a love more powerful than your ability to even love yourself. You got to trust him. I love that page. Go back to the scripture. Watch it. Go back to the scripture. Jeremiah, put it back up there. He says, he says, he says, watch it. Be blessed. Next verse. Next verse. Watch it. He says, such trees are not bothered by heat, worried by long months of drought. Watch this. Their leaves stay green. Johnny, his leaves stay green. Come on now, that sister without a job for four months, her leaves stay green. Come on. Uh, their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. You can be in misery and still produce fruit. If you're anchored to a God-generated, see, I'm not talking self-help here. I'm not talking you, you need a God-generated. You just position yourself a God-generated joy and peace flowing out of relationship. All right, let's go to Philippians so I can wrap it up. I've been on my way to Philippians all along. All right, here we go. Make me, as we get there, make me think of that movie where the kids said, are we there yet? Tell somebody next to you, we're there now. Come on. <laughs> all right. All right. Watch this. Watch Paul. Watch him link. Joy and peace together. Watch it. Here's how he starts off. Always be full of joy in the what? I already talked about that. Jesus as Lord. This is not always be full of joy in God. This is, this is God as he shows up in Jesus who you have accepted as Lord. All right? I say it again. Rejoice. Shout rejoice. No, y'all didn't sound right. Come on. Rejoice. Yes. Let everyone see that you are considered in all you do. Remember, yeah, the Lord is coming soon. This reminds me of a quick story. I am uh, last, yesterday it was. I was at my favorite ice cream place. Tin pot. And when I got there, the line was long. And, and uh, I don't, if it's good, you don't mind waiting. 
Come on, come on. Come on, tell somebody if it's good, you don't mind waiting. That's why you got to learn to wait on God because when he shows up, it's always good. Come on. So I'm in the line. I'm in the line. And a young woman walks up with two pretty little girls in a long line. So she starts talking to me. And somehow the conversation gets spiritual. But I never tell her I'm a preacher. Till this day, she doesn't know that that strange guy was a preacher. Emphasis on strange. And so in the conversation, she said to me, she's talking about all the crises of the world. She says, I can't wait till God's kingdom come. Be fully established. All right. Now, when she said that, I had, I had several thoughts immediately. The first thought I had was, I do want God's kingdom to come, but not like right now. Because I'm waiting on my ice cream, you know. <laughs> I'd like to get my ice cream. In. I need to enjoy my ice cream. Come on now. I wanted to come and let me have my ice cream. <laughs> but then you don't think deeply. I understood what she was trying to say. Right? Because what Revelation teaches us is when the fullness of God's kingdom comes. Come on now. So it says, here's how the psalmist puts it. It says, in his presence are joys forevermore. In his right hands are pleasures evermore. Here's what the, revel- the writer of Revelation says. They said, there will be no more tears, uh, tears of sorrow. There will be no more death. Come on there. There will be no more pain. Now, 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 now who wouldn't want it? says, the light will never go out. Come on now. Who wouldn't want that? But then as we talked, I said, so I said to her, she said, God's kingdom. And I said to her, I believe and I'm looking for Jesus to come back. It's King of kings and Lord of lords. Looking for. Watch this now. I said, however, shout however. All right. Now let me back into this point through the back door. One of the reasons I like going to Costco's and my wife limits me. She keeps the cards. I have to get it from her. But I, I, I like going to Costco's and I time my trips right around lunch or pre-dinner. The reason is because at Costco's, come on now, they be standing out with these platters trying to get you to buy. So they have this food they done cooked up and they give you a sample. Now, they don't know me. I'm not going to buy the food, but I'm going to get full on the samples. Come on now. <laughs> Y'all pray for your pastor. Pray for me. Pray for me. I need it. Pray for me. Pray for me. Come on now. But, but all right. But here's what, here's, here, here's, here's the logic behind what they're suggesting. This is a sample. And if the sample is good, sure enough, the box is going to be good. That's what they suggested. All right, let me, let, me, let me talk about C.S. Lewis just for a moment. I'm going back to the woman. Stay with me. C.S. Lewis says this. When you see the sunbeam, get excited about the sunbeam. That's the blessing. But don't stop with the sunbeam. Let your mind follow the sunbeam to the sun. That's the bless all. You see what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, Every sunbeam is a sample of what the sun has so much brighter. Okay, now here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Watch this. 
C.S. Lewis' point was this. You remember the psalm that says this? Taste and see. What? God is good. Well, how are you going to taste God? Here's what the psalmist means. Every pleasure rightly lived and rightly experienced is but a sample. Come on now. A good shopping experience. Time with your kids. Whatever you want. Every pleasure is but a sample of something so much greater when you get into the presence of God. So what he's saying is, is engage life with an awareness that God's hand is all around you. Come on. So here's what I said to the lady. I got back to her. I said, so here's what I want Jesus to come. But while he's coming, I want to make sure that I don't miss enjoying the blessings of the now. Y'all see what I'm trying to say. And, 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 And some of us, we wake up in the morning complaining. We get out, oh, Lord, my back hurting. Oh, my God, my back hurting. I don't know. Never mind the fact you're alive. Come on, my midway, Wednesday. Can't wait till Friday come. Oh, Lord, I'm so tired of this job. Let's Friday come. Come, Friday, come. Come on. <laughs> Never mind the fact you got a job. Amen. And our posture is we're complaining about the now, waiting on the kingdom to come, that we're totally missing the taste and see that God has put all around us. Come on. Shout joy. Shout peace. All right, let me finish it. He says, so the Lord's coming. You got that. Next verse. So here it is. The opposite. Let me read it. Don't worry about anything. So the opposite of biblical peace is anxiety, worry, and restlessness. Let's, 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 let's open the word restlessness. Shout restlessness. Restlessness is a, is a kind of discontentment. It is the opposite of contentment. That when I fully rest in the sovereignty of God in my life as Lord, come on now, it it tends to help me to become content and grateful for where and what I have. But when you're restless and discontented, you're always thinking about, can't wait till tomorrow come, can't wait till tomorrow come, can't wait till next month come, can't wait till next year come, can't wait till that promotion get here, can't wait till I get a new girlfriend because this is getting on my nerves. I mean, I mean, you're always looking ahead rather than experiencing the goodness of God now. But if God is your Lord and you trust that he's in charge of your life, you, you have this conclusion. You know, you know, and, and when you're restless, you start comparing your house to that house, your kids to those kids, come on, that car to that car. But when, you, when God is Lord, you have a kind of contentment. You say, look, God has given me what he wants me to have. When it's time for me to move, he's going to open a window. He's going to open the door. And he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna, he's gonna give me the unction and I'm going to go for it. And when I get there, don't worry. He's going to already be there. And he's going to already have made the provisions. And so I don't have to worry about who's competing against me, who's trying to get after me. Because God's got the last word. He says, I open doors that no one can shut. I close doors that no one can open. And when you have a trust in God, you can just be content. So let's finish it up. So here's what the scripture says. So don't worry. King James Version, don't be, be anxious for nothing. The word anxious means your mind, the, the, the literal meaning of the word is to, 
is to, is to be in pieces. That's what this is. In pieces. Your mind is broken and all these things you work, all these things. He says, no, focus on the hand of God in your life. Instead, return. Shout, return. Here's how you do it. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Just lay it out there. And thank him for what? 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 Oh, he has done. God, this is what I need. I'm sick. I, I need this. I need a job. This, I, this is what I need. This is what I need. I'm just going to lay it out here. Uh, uh, I'm telling you about everything. My kids are in trouble. This, all this kind of stuff. All right, I'm telling you what I need. And, 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 but your will be done. And, and by the way, let me just start thanking you. I, I, I want to, before I get up, I want to thank you for this. 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 And thank you for this. It expands your perspective. It reminds you that the God that you're praying to, one, is one who loves you, whose wisdom is working on your behalf, whose salvation you can trust. Here's the last piece. So God's peace lives in you. That's the peace of God. But then God's peace should work through you. Peace is the opposite of Galatians 20, uh, Galatians 4.20. It is. He says, when you're missing peace, this is what happens. Works of the flesh, idolatry, looking for some other God, sorcery, hoping for magic, hostility. You're the source of quarreling and Jealousy and outburst of anger with your family. You're, you're driven by selfish ambition. Tomorrow, tomorrow, need that, need that. Dissension and division. He said, that's the sign that you don't have peace within. But when you have peace within, come on now. You're no longer the sin of division. You're no longer in the midst of dissension. Come on. You're, you're no longer these outbursts of anger. Because at the end of the day, come on now. If you've got peace within, it comes out. If you know God is in charge, you can stop stressing about so much. Come on now. All right. And that then means that God wants you, as we conclude, to, to uh, those who know God's peace are peacemakers. Right? Here's Matthew 5 and 9. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. So in this highly polarized culture, Christians ought not be peace breakers. We ought to be peacemakers. You know who's on the throne. Amen. Give God a praise.